0: Church, good morning, great to see you once again. Open your Bible, please, to the book of Exodus, chapter 14. We're in a brand new series to launch the year on the life of Moses, his life, his leadership. And the reason why is God called Moses to do impossible things. And we're in a two-year initiative asking God to do impossibilities, improbabilities, like things that are too hard for us. And that's only when you get to see the hand of God upon your life, when you do things that's beyond the hand of man, And that's what we're doing at Abundant Life, launching new gatherings and new places to reach new people. By the end of this year, we'll be launching Abundant Life Crossroads in the very heart of our city. You excited about that? Like, I am giddy about the opportunity to take Jesus to this part of our city. But God is doing something new. And the reality is it's not really that new. It's new for me and you. But it's going back to the ancient church, and God is doing it now in the modern church. I'm talking about a church heist movement, a multiplying movement of people gathering in their homes to have church. Now, it's a different paradigm of thinking for most of us, because we grew up thinking church is something you go to. It's a building with stained glass and steeple. But did you know that church has always been about people? Like our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are the house of God which means your house could become a church house and what COVID did was accelerate a phenomenon that's already happening. About half of our church now gathers online as opposed to on site. And God is already doing something new. We're just going what God is already doing. I want you to meet Randy and Sarah Gooch from Mexico, Missouri, about two and a half hours down I-70 from the Kansas City area, who have launched a church house of Abundant Life. They brought Abundant Life now to Mexico, Missouri. Well, What's up,
1: Abundant Life? My name is Kyle Worsham, and I am the Abundant Life online campus pastor. I'm here with Randy and Sarah and Gooch and Jen and Steve Pryor and they are actually the church house leaders of our Mexico church house. Thank you guys, for listening to, to the Abundant Thank Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based uh, out of Leeson, Missouri, a and has campuses throughout the so Kansas City, City metro area hey, long and online. Have you been a we want to see your life changed for, by Jesus. For
2: the Gooch's, we started abundant life, abundant life right at the or beginning of the COVID and closed times, down. Visit uh, the church we .co. were attending uh, didn't have a real strong digital presence, and we have a daughter and a son-in-law that live in the kansas city area and they were starting to attend the blue springs campus and they told us about the uh, online uh, feed that was going on uh, and we turned it on and uh, i'll tell you from the very beginning we were blown away Uh, just the solid teaching the examples of ministry uh, and so that's how we started and so we continued that all through the time in which uh, our church was closed.
3: Um, For us, we started in September. We actually started our community in September. Randy and Sarah have been watching um, online for a year and have been sending me little messages, hey, you need to watch this, you need to watch Abundant Life. And I said, yeah, yeah. And I knew I was called to leave the church. We were called to leave the church we were at, but we just didn't know what God wanted us to do. So eventually, last, I think, July, August, Randy sent me the link again, and I said, okay, I'll watch. And when I did, it was, the emotions were there. It was almost tears because I thought, okay, this is what God wants us to do. So we got together and decided we would start this um, so we could be a community together. Surprise!
1: one hilarious Randy just kept, (laughs) pounding <laughs> you with the feed but it sounds like you know there's a lot of things that are different about the church house compared to maybe your past experience in churches so why would you continue to take those steps in leading this church house when you could have just gone back and led at another church like why did you choose to lead this church house in mexico
0: i was excited about it because i think that it's a, a format that people who are unchurched might go to versus walking through the door of a big facility. Uh, Some people just won't do that, but they might come to a church house and sit with people they know and, and worship, or at least get to know Christ through that.
2: For me, it was once we started watching, we were just really impressed with the quality of teaching that was happening. Uh, and and here's the big changer, and I'm going to let Sarah explain what happened with our conversations with our kids after church.
3: So during COVID, when we were doing pajama church, um, our conversations with our kids were deeper than we've ever had. So Phil's teaching, Chad's teaching, um, led to discussions that we had not had before, had not had opportunities before. So. We were very thankful for abundant life and the solid teaching that we were receiving
1: you are killing it leading people but how did you kind of push through those doubts and fears to actually be obedient to what god was placing on y'all's lives
2: the big obstacle for me the big rock to move was getting over being associated with the traditional church that I'd grown up in, uh, my kids had grown up in, uh, we had friends, lifetime friends, like the priors there uh, and others. So it was finally letting that piece of it go. And our experience then with, with the church house, in our home, and our kids, and that quality of conversation and that spiritual growth and teaching, um, that took my fears away for this. It was just, it took it took about a year for Jennifer to get on board and watch that video.
3: And that's true. I, it took me a year, and that was the fear, because it was something different. It wasn't the traditional church building with the steeple and the stained glass windows, things like that. But we knew God was calling us to leave there. We just didn't know what God wanted us to do. So it was the fear of the unknown there. And then once I felt like, okay, yes, I need to watch Abundant Life, Um and I watched it, had the speakers on on my, my computer and was just so engrossed in it. And it was just so amazing because I just saw God's presence from the beginning of that service to the end of the service. I just had this sense of, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. And that makes it really exciting because you, you get to see, the, you know, everybody working and how neat our community has grown. And that's exciting to us.
2: Abundant
0: Life, welcome Mexico, Missouri. Randy and Sarah Gooch, thank you for bringing Abundant Life to your part of the world. This is what God is doing, multiplying movement. You understand, this is how the early church swept through the ancient world like fire through dry timber, house to house, multiplying the move of God wherever they went. And technology has now given us the ability to do this faster and better than ever. So August is our official launch of the online campus you're watching Abundant Life, maybe your next step is to make your house a church house. And what this means is we need to replicate leaders. And that's why we're doing a leadership summit. I want to invite everybody here to this leadership summit Friday night, January 28th, Saturday morning, January 29th, because the move of God is about a multiplying movement. It's never simply about a Sunday event. It's always been about a movement. And what that means is if we wanna reach our city, if we wanna reach our world and multiply new gatherings and new places, it means multiplying leaders faster than ever. And every person here is called to be a leader. Whether or not you ever have a title, you're called to be a leader. So this is for everybody anywhere that wants to be further equipped to lead in ministry. This is why we're studying the life of Moses, Exodus chapter 14 this morning. Moses is a model of biblical leadership. And I want you to see last week, the principle we talked about is this, leaders aren't made from living in palaces, they're made from time spent in deserts. And so we were introduced last week to Moses, God finds him in a desert. understand, for the first 40 years of Moses' life, he'd been raised in a palace as the adopted son of Pharaoh. He'd been raised as a prince in Egypt, but God was calling him to an impossible mission. And God could not begin to develop him in a palace for this leadership destiny God had given him. And so he finds himself in the middle of a desert for 40 years. Now understand, we said last week, even your past failures, God can use as part of your development for future deployment. The reason Moses was in a desert is because he killed an Egyptian in a fit of rage. This is a man that was on the run. He was running now from Pharaoh. He is in exile from Egypt. And for 40 years, he's been in the desert. Now one can only imagine what was going through his mind for 40 years. Like, God, you have forgotten me. God, you have abandoned me. I missed my opportunity. But you understand, God used his failure to develop him for a future deployment. See, God used that failure to get him into the very desert that he was about to lead two million people through. And they would have been lost without him. But Moses has spent 40 years in this desert. He now knows every crevice, every corner, every rock, every cave. He knows exactly where he's going as he leads the Hebrews out of Egypt onto this journey into the promised land. Not only that, he learned how to survive in a desert. A desert is not very hospitable to human beings not really made to survive there, yet he learned how to live there. And he was going to teach the Israelites how to live there because they were gonna be living there for a while before they entered this land that flowed with milk and honey. Church, I want you to see that your worst failure, whatever it is, is not final, that God can use your past to prepare you for a future. Now, listen very carefully. We're gonna see today another leadership principle, and it's this. Leaders inspire hope by believing when others don't. Leaders inspire hope by believing when others won't. Now, if you know the story of Moses, what has happened now is they find themselves at the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14, a very famous, famous story of the Red Sea crossing. Moses did indeed answer the call of God upon his life. He went back into Egypt after 40 years, stood toe-to-toe with Pharaoh and said, let my people go, but nine times as he said, let my people go, Pharaoh said, no way, Jose. That's in the ancient Hebrew text, no way, Jose nine times i'm not letting the hebrews go they're my slaves they're making my bricks and they're building my cities and my pyramids are you crazy moses i'm not going to let them go but nine times there is a power encounter as god sends plagues upon egypt so that pharaoh will finally relent he finally relents on the 10th time and 10th plague as god sends a death angel over the land and the firstborn of every egyptian home is dead and because of that moses finally looks or pharaoh finally looks at moses and says, take your people and get out of here. Just get, 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 get as far away as you can. And now they find themselves at the Red Sea, about three days' journey or so from Egypt. And their back is to the Red Sea. They got mountains on two sides, and they look up and they see Pharaoh's army in hot pursuit and Pharaoh is bearing down on them. He has changed his mind. He wants back his slaves. Now remember, the Exodus story is our story. We learned this in 1 Corinthians 10, that this is more than history, that the Jewish history of antiquity is in some way our story personally. As the Hebrews were in slavery and captivity, that's where you and me are born personally under sin's penalty and Satan's tyranny. We're in a place of captivity, which is why Jesus said, if the son shall set you free you shall be free indeed you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free you see we are all born in slavery under sin's penalty and satan's tyranny but god sent one better than moses a greater than moses has come whose name is jesus and he came to set us free And it was on the cross of Calvary that he bore sin's penalty so that we no longer have to live under Satan's tyranny and authority. We have a new master whose name is Jesus, and when you make him your Lord and your Savior, he sets you free. All right, but listen very carefully. Well, Jesus comes to set the captive free every single day. Satan comes to take the free back into captivity. And that is pictured now in Exodus 14. You have Pharaoh, who's a picture of Satan, pursuing the captives that have been set free. He wants to take them back into slavery. That is a picture of what Satan does with you and me. Every single day, as the born-again, redeemed child of God, former liberated slaves, listen, we have been set free, but every single day, Satan wants to take you back into captivity. And that is why Galatians 5 and verse 1 says, stand fast, therefore, and liberty we with Christ to set you free and don't be entangled again in that yoke of bondage. Listen, sin becomes a prison. Don't go back to Egypt. What you see pictured here now is Pharaoh in hot pursuit in the very same way Satan will pursue you and me having been delivered from sin's penalty to live a life of freedom and liberty. He wants to take you back to a life of mediocrity And captivity. Let's pick it up right here now in Exodus 14 and verse 10. If you're ready for this, say, impossible. Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Here we go. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. I want you to notice something right here. Sometimes slavery is easier than liberty. Here you got a band of liberated slaves. Scholars tell us maybe two million people left Egypt. They'd been there for 400 years, for century after century. They had lived a life of slavery. Now they are finally free, and they're already, three days later, ready to go back into captivity. You know why? Because sometimes slavery is actually easier than liberty. Well, they might take it it was slavery, but at least it was predictable, at least it was familiar. I mean, it was slavery, but at least we could eat off the crumbs of Pharaoh's table. And I want you to see, this is why sometimes people that start like Regen don't finish Regen. Not everyone that starts Discipleship One finishes discipleship one. Not everyone who begins taking their next steps to follow Jesus continues taking their next steps to follow Jesus. Guys, what breaks my heart the most as a pastor, 22 years of stories. We love stories. We exist to see lives changed by Jesus. And I have so many stories in my mind's eye of lives that were changed, of people that followed Jesus and their life was forever changed. But I have stories in my mind's eye right now of people I have known that started following Jesus, and their life was changed and now today they've gone back to Egypt gone back into bondage you know why sometimes I'm convinced because it's easier just to accept the status quo like I'll always have this addiction I'll always struggle with this temptation I will never be free from this depression and we just kind of resign ourselves to the enemy And just as long as we have this peaceful coalition with the enemy, yeah, it's slavery. It's not freedom and liberty, but maybe in some way, you know, I can get by this way. I'm just saying today, don't go back. If you've started taking your next steps with Jesus, keep taking your next steps with Jesus. Don't settle for the status quo. Listen, make this the year that you decide I'm gonna grow. This is the one. I'm not gonna turn back. Look what Moses says. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. I want you to notice spiritual leaders always point people to Jesus. Understand, everyone's in a panic. I mean, they can see Pharaoh's army coming. Their back is to the Red Sea. There's no way forward. They're surrounded on two sides by mountains. There's no way around it. They are completely trapped in. And Pharaoh's coming with his chariots and with his army. And they are in a panic. And it seems like there is no hope. But leadership always inspires hope. What you have here is Moses inspiring hope in a situation that was hopeless and helpless. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Peace pointing people to their hope, and their hope is in God. Now he goes on, listen, for the Egyptians, he says, whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever, for the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now I want you to notice a principle here, listen carefully, God will sometimes lead you to a place where the odds are against you so that he can show you he can save you. Think about that for just a moment. See, we have the wrong paradigm in our mind's eye. What we think is if that, if I'm in the will of God, everything ought to be easy. Like, if I'm in the will of God, doors should just be flying open for me, and everything should come easy, and, you know, if I'm not in the will of God, that's when life ought to be hard, and I'm trying to tell you, that is exactly the opposite. Sometimes the hardest place to be is in the center of God's will through no fault of your own. Think about it. God had led Moses to that very spot for a reason, because he's about to teach Israel a lesson. That he is a God that keeps on saving over and over and over again. He's a God that shows up over and over and over again in every situation. There are times he will actually leverage the odds against you just to show you that he is sufficient for you, that he is enough for you, that he'll keep on saving you because this was a moment in the life of Israel that they would draw from over and over again as they're about to see God do a miracle and part the waters. And they're gonna need to remember this. Moment forever and ever and ever, and God will do that in your life. He brings us to Red Sea situations where it feels like there is no hope. I mean, this is hopeless and it is helpless and my back is to the sea, I can't go forward, there's mountains all around me, God, you're supposed to be the way maker and the miracle worker, and you said my faith could move mountains, but right now, I don't see any hope, and the lies of the enemy begin bearing down, you understand, it's the lies of the enemy that take you back into captivity, it's at the Red Sea, And I know what I'm talking about because our church, listen, a lot of you don't know, 22 years ago, our church was born out of pain. Our church was born out of adversity. Abundant life is the church that almost never was. It is the church that almost closed its doors. This is where we were meeting 22 years ago, this little brick building that is just down the street from our Lee Summit campus, it's no longer there. I still have a brick from this little building in my office to remind me of this moment in time. When our back was to the Red Sea So it was formally called Liberty Our pastor actually started this church That was called Liberty at the time And we started going to this little church Kristen and I as a young couple A couple of toddlers in hand And, and under much duress It became become a very toxic situation Our pastor resigned And the situation was so desperate They asked a police officer to come preach That's weird Can we just say that's weird? It's okay It's weird No training, barely started seminary, never been in ministry. I mean, this is how desperate the situation, they've got a police officer that's preaching. And that was the fall of 1999. Now, I know now what I didn't know then. Most church plants falter and fail in the first five years. And we were really, really close to becoming one of those statistics when we didn't think any worse it was on a cold, blustery Sunday. I'll never forget. It was the last Sunday of 1999 because I have this memory that I commemorate every single year on the last Sunday of the year. It's been two weeks ago, right now, today. I'll never forget the Sunday. I show up to church that day. It is a wintry, blizzardy kind of day. Worse weather than we had last week right here in the Midwest. It was that kind of day. It's the last Sunday of the year. A lot of the church in there anyway. Lots of people had left that fall dysfunctional and division, just kind of an ugly, difficult situation. And when we didn't think it any worse, Our, our one staff member we had left resigned under the worst possible situation. I mean, we loved this guy. Nobody wanted him to resign. And it was a kick in the gut. And at the time, I thought this could be the nail in the coffin on this little church. Like this could be our last Sunday. And this untrained police officer stands up to preach that day, I make this announcement, there's maybe 25 people there total, and I thought this could be our last Sunday. I'm not sure what's gonna happen. I remember preaching out of a proverb that you can find. It says, the righteous man falls seven times, but he rises up again. A leader tries to inspire hope. I'm just trying to inspire hope. Like we may fall over and over again, but we rise up again with God's help. We rise up over and over again. And I don't remember much about the message, but I remember the altar call that day we were so, so overcome with grief and sadness and heartache and headache. It was like the death of a dream. But I asked those 25 people to come forward that day at an altar much like this one. And together we got on our knees. Together we got on our face before God. And I asked them, if you will promise to commit to the future of this church, if you will dig in and not let Satan win, let's petition God to part the waters on behalf of our church. And guys, I'm telling you, over For the next few months, that's exactly what God did. The cloud began to lift. The darkness began to go away. The light began to shine. And all of a sudden we saw God begin to part the waters for this little bitty church that almost never was. And those 25 people became the seed for the thousands and thousands and thousands that will gather with us today on site and online. Now I'm telling you why God allowed that. For the same reason he allowed that in the life of Israel. For the same reason he allows those situations in your life. Because these are moments that build your faith. All of a sudden you see God move. All of a sudden you see God begin to part the waters and do impossibilities. He begins to move in some ways miraculously because you did something that seemed like a complete improbability. And all of a sudden God starts moving unexplainably. And I've gone back to that moment over over again when it feels like once again i mean we're we're to the red sea god in heaven where are you because our back is once again at the red sea and you understand god will take you there over and over again this is never a one and done in your faith walk he brings you back here again he will leverage the odds against you over and over again just to show you that he can save you in 22 years since i don't know how many times i've gone back there i've said god you have brought us too far to not save us now. God, you have brought us this far to turn back now. God, if you did this then and you did this then, I know you're going to do it again. Because here's the reality, guys. Every leader, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're Moses, you have moments of doubts. We all do. We have moments of fears, anxieties, insecurities, and doubts. We have this picture in our mind's eye of Moses. You ever heard of Charlton Heston? That's what we picture when we picture Moses. Now, you may be too young to know who Charlton Heston was. If, if you're, say, under, the, under 40, maybe you don't know who Charlton Heston is, just picture Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. All right? Now you know. Charlton Heston in the 50s and 60s was like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. And one of his marquee movies was The Ten Commandments. He played Moses, and you have just Moses and rah, brave heart, William Wallace kind of leader. No, 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 no. I know Moses because I know me. I know you because I know us. We're all made of the same stuff, which means we go through the same stuff. And Moses in this moment had a little panicky feeling inside his belly too. Everybody else is panicking on the outside. Guarantee Moses is just a man. He's kind of panicking on the inside. He's putting on a tough persona on the outside, but on the inside, he's got a little anxiety like, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. See, I'm trying to tell you, we have to remind ourselves at the Red Sea what is true, because often what we see will be contrary to what God has said, There are times in my own life I've had to do this. So you you have me and you picture Pastor Phil, former SWAT cop. He's not afraid of nothing. No, you don't understand because you've never seen me in the middle of the week underneath my desk, curled up in the fetal position. We all have those moments. I have too. When it seems like it's hopeless and it's helpless. God, have you brought me into the wilderness? To abandon me now, to leave me here, let me die here. See, that was the children of Israel. What do you do? Listen, we need a vision that demands divine intervention that keeps us in a state of desperation. See, what we had going for us in the early days of our church was desperation. We knew that we were toast without a move of God. We knew we were done without a move of God. And it's easy to forget that you are done without God. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do... Nothing. That we're desperate for God. Somebody asked me Friday night, I was teaching at my leadership, our Leadership Institute, and they asked me, Pastor Phil, well, how do you stay humble? You know what I said? It's not hard to stay humble when you are desperate. For 22 years, I've been desperate. Every two years, we go back and do it again, impossibilities. See, as long as you're attempting what you can do you don't need God. You're not desperate for a move. But when you put yourself in a position and you have this vision that demands divine intervention, it keeps you in a state of desperation. And what you need to know is the Spirit of God moves in the desperation of the people of God. When we are desperate for God, God moves. And when we're not desperate for God, God doesn't move. Which is my, my job as your pastor to always have a vision. Every two years, we hit repeat again. We start over at the Red Sea again. This one we're calling impossible because we're attempting impossibilities. It's too hard for us, humanly speaking. We don't have what we need. We are desperate for a move of God. That's what keeps us in humility. That's what keeps us on our knees. And God at times will take you to a situation so that you have no choice to get on your knees again because you're desperate for a move of God. You are right where God wants you to be. You are right in the will of God when you are desperate for a move of God. See, hope is not the same as wishful thinking. I shared this at our Christmas Eve service. Hopeful thinking is not the same as wishful thinking. Listen, hope is believing that God will perform whatever he has promised. Check this out. I'm not wishing for the second coming of Christ. No, I'm hoping for the second coming of Christ. You know why? Because Jesus said, I will come again. I'm not wishing it were true. I'm hoping it's true. I know it's true. It's not come true yet, but I know that God will do what he said he's going to do. That's true of every situation. It's true of me and you. Leaders inspire hope. It's not crossing your fingers and hoping this turns out well. No, it's discovering what God has promised and then believing God will perform that which he's promised. That is what God does over and over again. That's what a leader does when he inspires hope. So what are some promises that God gives you in those Red Sea moments? Because a lot of us are at the Red Sea in our life. A lot of us are facing a situation, a difficult, difficult time of life, and we're desperate for a move of God. What are some promises that you can cling to at the Red Sea? How about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And that's harder said than done. Easier said than done. God help me. It's easier said than done. Let's just be honest. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Some of us just came out of the Christmas season again and we're single. We'd give anything to be married. God, I wish I had somebody I could be married to to celebrate the holidays with. Here I am alone. It's really hard to trust God with your future, isn't it? Some of us starting the new year is facing financial difficulty. I mean, really, financial crisis. And, man, I've got these bills coming in, and I don't know what I'm going to do. It's really, really hard to trust God with all of your heart, isn't it? What do you do at the Red Sea? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, meaning God gave you a brain. Use it, but you will not think your way out of this problem. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all of your ways acknowledge him. Meaning, God, no matter what you do, I'm going to glorify you. God, no matter what I have to suffer, I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to glorify you in the good times, I'm going to glorify you in the hard times. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He will give you the path forward. See, many promises of God are unconditional, but some are conditional. It's conditional on you doing your part, and then God has promised to do his part. I don't know how many times at the Red Sea, I've claimed this promise right here, Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are you lonely? COVID has isolated many, many people. Listen carefully. The goal of our online campus and church houses is not, as Sarah Gooch said, pajama church, sitting alone in your home watching church. That's not the win. The win is in community. When you're gathered with other believers, friends, and family, all who are worshiping Jesus, listen, are you lonely? God has promised to supply your needs You feel abandoned, betrayed. Hey, guys, sometimes I have felt that way. I've had seasons where I have just felt so abandoned, betrayed by people I cared about and loved. God has promised to supply your every single need. Not have enough money? What we're trying to do in the crossroads is going to take a lot of money. God has promised to supply all of our need. See, hope is built on believing what God has said and that God will do what he said he's going to do. For Moses, Moses knew what God said. Moses, I'm gonna use you to deliver my people, the Hebrews, out of Egyptian slavery and I'm gonna take them on a journey into a promised land that flows with milk and honey. He knew what God said. In this moment, what he saw, it seemed to be contrary to what God said. In these moments, what will you believe? Because what you believe will become your destiny. It's the lies of the enemy that will take you back into captivity. And often what we see is contrary to what God has said. This looked like an impossibility for Moses. But he knew what God had said, he believed what God said. Regardless of what he saw, here's another promise I've claimed over and over again I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It would probably surprise some of you to know that I've gone through seasons of ministry, seasons of 22 years of life, that I have been in flat despair. I have despair. I've been in seasons of despair. Have you ever despaired? Like the situation is just too hard? If you could, you'd give up. Do you understand I've claimed this promise over and over again? I can do all things through Christ. This is not too hard for me. I have Christ living in me and Jesus has promised to strengthen me. I can carry this as long as I need to, for as far as I have to. Whatever you're going through is not too hard for God. It is too hard for you. No, you cannot, but you know the I am. When you know the I am, that means you can. And you see, that's Moses. I cannot, but I know the I am. And with the I am, I can. Listen, there's a condition. Put your faith in action, which is obedience in motion. This is what amazes me about people like Randy and Sarah Gooch. They put their faith in action, obedience in motion. And now there is a church house, actually in a banquet room in Mexico, Missouri, on the square. It wasn't there a year ago. Now there is. See, this is how impossibilities become realities they didn't just think it they actually went out and did it that's what leaders do this is what Moses does puts his faith in action which is obedience in motion look what happens next verse 15 and the Lord said to Moses why do you cry to me tell the people or tell the children of Israel to go forward go forward We put it at our church like this. Take your next steps. Always take your next step. Go forward. That's always the call of God upon our life. Go forward, but I can't. The Red Sea is in the way. Go forward. Take your next step. When you take your next step, God will begin to part the waters. But as long as you're waiting on God, God's going to be waiting on you. See, always when we put our faith in motion, it puts God in motion. Look what happens next, verse 16. God tells Moses, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Now, church, can we all agree that God did not need Moses to do anything for God to part the waters? God could have done it all by himself, but that's never how God works. God always, always invites you and me into the process God could have parted the waters had Moses not put up his rod and stretched out his hand. He could have done it anyway. But as long as Moses was waiting on God, God's going to wait on Moses. I mean, Moses could have been like, guys, hey, listen, I promise God's going to part the waters. Just hang on. Don't panic. God's going to part the waters. Hang on. I'm just trying to tell you. Moses could have stood there waiting on God. And the whole time, God was going to wait on Moses. See, there's always God's part and there's always your part. And only when you do your part do you get God's part. We've seen this in the life of our church over and over again. Every two years, we put our faith in motion. That doesn't come with a guarantee. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit risky, but only when you attempt things that are risky and, yes, kind of scary, do you get to see God do impossibilities. And when you put your faith in motion, then God goes in motion. That's what's about to happen. God's gonna use Moses to part the waters. Look what happens. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Now listen very carefully. There's one last thing. At the Red Sea moment of your life, and some of us are there right now, we're going through a time that seems hopeless. The situation seems helpless. What is God trying to do? Here it is. Die to what is, to receive what will be. There are always things in our life that need to die. And God takes us to the Red Sea over and over again because there are things that we're hanging on to that we need to let go. You see, the Red Sea crossing is a picture of baptism symbolizing a burial and a resurrection. Now, I'm not making this up. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers, speaking of the Hebrew fathers, the patriarchs, we were under the cloud, remember in the Exodus account, God led them by day as a pillar of cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were baptized in the Moses in the cloud and in the sea. See, the children of Israel went down into the Red Sea. It was a picture of baptism. What's a picture of baptism? It's a burial and a resurrection. People ask sometimes, Pastor Phil, why do you guys dunk when you baptize at abundant life? Because the word is baptizo in the Greek it means to dip, immerse, to plunge, or sink. You, you can't bury somebody by sprinkling dirt on them, you've got to put them all the way under. And that's why we put you all the way under if we baptize you. Now the good news at Abundant Life is there's always a resurrection. We promise not to hold you down forever because it's a picture of a burial and a resurrection. And what happens to the children of Israel is they are buried in the Red Sea, but on the other side there's a resurrection. And it's not coincidental that up to this moment they were known as the children of Israel, but it was on the other side in the wilderness they'd be now known as the nation of Israel. See, God was transforming this band of liberated slaves into a nation of priests and kings. You see, that's our story. You and me, former liberated slaves, that's all we are that he is transforming into a nation of priests and kings. The apostle Peter would say, that we are now a holy nation, a royal priesthood, his own special people, for he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, where there is a burial, there's a resurrection on the other side. But for you to know new life, something has to die. Now understand, the Egyptians, they got baptized too. There was just no resurrection. 22 years ago, this church had a funeral. We did, we had a burial. In May of 2000, they'd called this police officer to pastor. We mourned a loss. We buried a dream, it was called Liberty. And it was resurrected of what we now call abundant life. What is it you need to bury in your life? I promise if you will, there's a resurrection on the way. That's why God takes you to the Red Sea. Listen very carefully at the Red Sea. Remember moments at the Red Sea Remind yourself that Jesus alone is sufficient to save you. And he will. He will. One last verse, look at this, Exodus 14:30. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. This word in the Hebrew saved, not coincidentally, but providentially. This word in the Hebrew is Yasha. That is the root word of the Hebrew name Yeshua. Same name in the Greek as Jesus. Yeshua will save you. Jesus saves you again and again and again. He saves you first from your sin, but then he wants to save you in those Red Sea situations. And he will. Would you bow with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Wherever you're worshiping from, online, in a living room. Independence, Blue Springs right here in Lee Summit. How many of you today are going through a Red Sea moment in your life at the outset of 2022 seems like a hopeless, helpless situation that you're in? Difficult, difficult times just raise your hand up very, very quickly, hold it up high, would you do this wherever you are, in a church house, another campus on site. I'm gonna count to three, and as soon as I say three, I want you to put your faith in motion. I want you to take your next step, I want you to move forward, I want you to come to the front, wherever the front is for you, the front of your living room, the front of the auditorium, the front of the church house, we're gonna get on our knees, and together we're gonna to petition God, our Savior, to move and part the waters this year of the Red Sea. You ready for this? Let's do this together. One, two, three. Come quickly. Spirit,
4: be where my trust. Is the borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever You would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior.
0: thank you that you are Yeshua the Savior and Lord we your people petition the living God on behalf of every situation God I thank you for these today on their knees confessing that they are desperate for you and you have brought us to the Red Sea so that we can watch you move And Jesus, each of these men and women, the born again, redeemed of God, children of God, liberated slaves, refused to go back to Egypt. Lord, today we choose to go forward, whatever the cost. And Lord, you know every situation, nothing escapes your eye. For some, it's marriage. It seems hopeless. Family. It seems hopeless. Finances seems hopeless. Health, it seems hopeless. Loss is all around. Anxiety, fears, depression. But Jesus, we claim the promise at the Red Sea that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I pray God in heaven that today, there'd be a burial and a resurrection that each of these precious men and women would walk out of this building today with a resurrected hope that you will absolutely perform that which you promised, that you are a God of redemption, a God of reconciliation, a God of restoration. And when something dies, there's something resurrected on the other side. I pray blessing over each of these, your people, that God, this year would be the year where they see the the Red Sea part miraculously, and that today they would take their next step, that they would move forward, no matter how hard, whatever the cost, even if it's not easy, in spite of the pain. I pray they'd walk in your grace, and I pray today, dear God a double portion of your spirit to be upon their life. That they would sense your holy presence upon them as never ever before. And I pray the manifold measure of grace that you would multiply your grace upon their life, grace upon grace, that they would believe you for an impossibility and you would take them this year on a journey to the promised land spiritually that they would know the joy of Jesus. And it's in that powerful, precious, wonderful, mighty name that we pray. And all the people of God said, amen. Would you give Jesus the glory today with me? Praise him, would you? Church, I love you so much. I wish we could stay and sing to the king, but we've not got another class on the way. So uh, you sing to the King and worship Him today. God bless you. Have a blessed Sunday afternoon.
3: Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, Visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at AbundantLifeLS.